What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Punk and Normal Podcast. I am your hopeless host, Josh Hutta, and this right here is episode 078. I hope you're all doing all right as we were all starting to become cautiously optimistic about the future. Vaccines are being administered, cases are falling, where I live at least, and warmer weather is now threatening us with a good time. And honestly, we all deserve to be done with this damn shit. So if you pray, pray. And if you're like me and don't pray, then let's get drunk and send posy vibes into the stratosphere because it's time to watch punk band smash power chords once again, isn't it? You're here. But yes, this is the Punk and Normal Podcast. And so you know that we invited someone to chat with me. So who was it this time? Well, Cynthia has been pushing for this one for a while. And that damn time zone always made it tricky. But in the end, she got her way like usual. And it happened. Yes, we're talking about TJ McFall of the Barsteel Preachers. And he joined me to discuss a lot of funny stuff. And you know what? Even his band a little bit. We basically just had some beers on Skype and shot the shit. Sometimes mentioning his musical career when the timing felt right. And sometimes discussing other random stuff that you may or may not find interesting. So stick around and find out. It's coming up right away. And of course, we also broke up the interview with some... 60 seconds of scintillation action and this time a fellow by the name of patty o'lantern from the band dragged in gave me a call and funny story he was actually supposed to appear on the al nolan episode that uh, debuted last month because he's on that label and works with al and they would have been a good combo but you guys aren't gonna leave this his puppy ate his cell phone and so he wasn't answering when i reached out pretty hilarious turn of events but eventually i found out you know he's not just a flake and indeed his puppy dog had chewed the shit out of his phone while he had turned his back for a reason that he told me but i've since forgotten but yeah another funny story is that patty here was actually the reason that this podcast began way back in 2016 so i have told the story before but i'm gonna tell it again I was drunk at a show in Red Deer. Um, Patty does not drink, by the way. At least he didn't at that point. I didn't ask him about that this time, but uh, this kind of makes it even funnier, the fact that he was stone cold sober. And I interviewed him and his bandmate, who, uh, which I don't remember his name. You'll have to, have to look it up. It's still out there. And they were in a band called Brutal Youth. So he was singing for them back then, and I'm pretty sure they just thought I was some random drunk and that interview would never see the light of day. Little did they know it would span almost five years and over 80 episodes of of varying varying quality. You know what? They're all still there. A dandy feat, if I do say so myself. Not bad for a drunken buffoon harassing people at the Vat Pub in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. Which leads me to my next point. Patty was a guest on my very first episode. This is a true statement. And now he's going to be a guest on my final episode. That is correct. It is with a heavy heart and very, very much consideration that I've decided this episode will be my last for the Punk and Normal podcast. It was not an easy decision at all, and I'm not joyous about it. But ultimately, it seemed like it's the right call for me at this point and time in my life. With the little one only weeks away from arriving and changing the dynamic of this household, I had some very difficult choices to make. As you may or may not know about me, I also play in a shit ton of bands, like uh, Trashed Ambulance, uh, Burning Nickels, Off Sailors, 
a new one that you guys will hear about soon if you if you care at all. And I also run a small record label and I even started a monthly zine here in Red Deer. Not to mention my day job as a beer salesman and all the other volunteering I do in the community. Plus, you know, having a wife and whatnot. I should probably pay attention to her at times, you know. So I got shit on the go to say the least. And while I'm already stretched pretty thin with this addition to my family, I just had to evaluate all the tasks I need to accomplish every month. And unfortunately... This lovely podcast ended up on the chopping block. So what I'm not going to do is complain about all the competition out there, because let's be real, there are tons of really great punk rock themed podcasts going, and honestly, I think it's I think that is fantastic. It means the scene is healthy, and I encourage you all to scope out the other ones that are going currently, although you already probably do, but if not, you should do it, or even start your own. The more the merrier. And although I didn't get this podcast to where I wanted it to be in terms of listenership, and while my inner crybaby would want to feel sorry for myself for this fact, I'm not going to use this moment to complain or be negative. Because really, if you're listening to me say this, that means that you have at least listened to this episode. So rather than whining to you, the person who is listening to me, I'm just going to say thank you. And oh boy, I have a lot of people to thank for this journey. So first off, I just want to say thanks to Big Bruno. He welcomed me with open arms to his team back in 2016 when I approached him. And when I approached him with the podcast idea, he's all for it. And without the backing of Punk Normal, this podcast would have fallen flat and I'd have given up years and years ago. There's no doubt in my mind about that. He helped me book guests in the early days and just gave it a sense of legitimacy that I I just plain wouldn't have had without his help. And then as his label, which, side note, he was also nice enough to let me be a part of, my silly little band, uh, started gaining traction and demanding more of his attention, he passed the baton off to his wife, Cynthia, and the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> so in case the, the 800 times throughout this, the, uh, the series that I mentioned her in previous episodes didn't give it away, she was a massive part of this show's success. While I was the dummy on the air and the guy who admittedly spent a shit ton of time editing this show, she also worked her butt off finding us cool guests that I either would have been too cowardly to ask or just wouldn't have been able to convince to come on my little silly little show. So I'd even go as far to say that this show is just as much hers as it is mine as it just wouldn't have been as good without her hard work. Also, we fight like brother and sister quite often and... Somehow, she would usually trick me into doing what she wanted because my pig-headed ass was usually wrong, but I would never admit that. <laughs> so, even as this show's coming to an end, I'm sure she will still find ways to annoy me and somehow convince me to do her bidding, but only time will tell. But yeah, thank you to Melanie K for helping us book cool guests, all the other publicists who would send me music and cool bands to listen to and visit with, Thanks to the smaller bands that don't have publicists who would send me their music and give me compliments on the show, which, in hindsight, they're probably just buttering me up to play their songs. But guess what? It worked, you silly pricks. (laughs) And I hope you keep sending me cool stuff because I'm still going to stay in the music journalism world one way or another. So yeah, keep in touch. So thanks to everyone who has ever appeared on the show. I was actually able to stay in touch and become friends with many of the guys and gals who called in, and for that I am extremely thankful. Honestly, so much cool shit came my way because of the show, and I am grateful for it. 
I mean, I got to talk to guys like, you know, Joey Cape, Spike Sloss, and Russ Rank, and um, Jim from Pennywise, like Trevor Keith, Scott from Face to Face, Scott Radinsky, like Matt Riddle. It was it was an insane run I had, and I I couldn't be more proud and and happy that I got to do that because as a as a you know a goofball lover of of the genre and the scene, it was it just meant the world that I was able to to pull this off for so long. So. Yeah, and yes, I gotta say, I'm eternally grateful to all of you who gave this dorky nobody from Saskatchewan, Canada, a chance and and spent a few hours listening to my nasally voice every month, and sometimes more. While I didn't become the next Howard Stern, I still opened so many amazing doors because of the show, and I'm legitimately stoked for what the future is gonna bring me, so I hope you guys are stoked for me too. Probably not, but you know, a guy can dream. But yes, enough of this sappy, wistful shit. Let's get the show going, because yes, there is still a proper show to do. So let's roll into the first triad of tunes. Brought to you by Epic Merch Store, supporting the local scene worldwide. So we're going to hear their ad, and then the brand new Belvedere song, as chosen by Ray from Drunk Take himself. Epic Merch Store. We welcome you at Epic Merch Store, the best place to get your punk rock merch. EpicMerchStore.com has over 175 artists like Pulley, Muses ID, Voodoo Glow Skulls, Cigar, Bracket, Implants, A Vulture Wake, Belvedere, Randy, Mute, Jughead's Revenge, Counterpunch, much the same. This is a standoff down by La Venaria and many, many more bands, both big and small, from all over the globe. So get your Epic shirts, kidswear, and headwear at EpicMerchStore.com. We can offer flat rate shipping worldwide. Now what does this mean? No matter how many items you order from however many bands you want, from whatever country they may be from, the shipping rate always stays the same. Epic Merch Store, supporting the punk rock scene worldwide. So come on down to EpicMerchStore.com, the best place to get your punk rock merch.
Hey, this is Steve from This Is A Standoff, and you're listening to Punk The Normal Podcast. This is Tom from No Trigger, and you're listening to Punk A Normal Podcast. Drag me out here through the mud and the mud to show 
Hey, what's up? This is Brian from the Vatic Souls. Yeah, this is Dr. Frank of the famous Mr. T Experience. Hey, this is Jay Navarro from the Suicide Machines. I'm Tally, a.k.a. Nubs. Hey, what's up? It's Mike Herrera from MXPX. Hey, this is Scott with Pulley. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Matt Riddle. This is Dan Bapp. Hey there, uh, my name's Toby from the record label Red Scare. And my name's Sam Russo, also from the record label Red Scare. One, two, three, four. We're Back Up, Back Up, and you're listening to Punk and Normal Podcast. Hey, what's up? This is Punk and Normal, and this is Ray from Teenage Bottle Rocket. Fuck you. All right, there is the first triad of tunes. Brought to you by Epic Merch Store. Great stuff, guys. If you are in a band or just somebody wanting cool band clothing, they are your answer, so hit them up. Ray is a good dude, definitely, so I gotta say thank you very, 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 very much for sponsoring these last few episodes. It does mean a lot, and hopefully we sent some more stinky punks your way. But yeah, you wanted to hear a tune, so I delivered. Belvedere, Good Grief Retreat. From their new album, Hindsight is the Sixth Sense, which drops May 14th via Thousand Islands Records in Canada and North America and Lockjaw Records in the UK. And after that was the song Another Night by Camel City Blackouts. A tune appeared on their recently released EP called 13. And I had promised Ryan, the frontman of this band, that I would play it last month. And lo and behold, I joshed it all up and forgot to throw it on the playlist. Oops. <laughs> of course, he emailed me and politely asked about their mission, so I gotta say my bad. <laughs> Total accident. I fucked up and forgot. So I'm very sorry, guys, and... But there, I made it up to you. I hope the EP release is going well. Seems to be. I see uh, see your names popping up quite a bit on social media on different, different blogs and whatnot, so hell yeah. So lastly is a song called How the West Was Lost by Suck Brick Kid. A lovely Home Alone reference of a name. Uh, I don't know much about these dudes other than the fact that they are from Florida and their socials don't appear to be too active lately. It looks like they were gung-ho to play Fest last year and yeah, friggin' 2020 happened. Rad song though, so I hope you fellas are doing well. Alright, let's dive into the interview with TJ. But first, let's hear one of his songs. So here we go. When This World Ends by the Barstool Preachers.
What's happening, Punk and Normal? I am pleased to welcome TJ McFall coming all the way from the UK. That means United Kingdom to all you non-British people out there. And he is the singer <laughs> of the Barstool Preachers. How's it going, buddy? Yo, I'm very well, thank you, mate. Thank you very much for having me. If any of your listeners don't know what the UK is, um, yeah, maybe there's no hope for the rest of us. But thank you for having me on. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. So I've done a few of these... Uh, Cross the pond interviews before and as you and i were discussing offline it's kind of a hilarious combo because for me it's 10 in the morning but i'm still having a beer and for you it's it's the early evening and you're also having a beer so cheers i uh, i appreciate the camaraderie mate thanks for making me not drink on my own unlike you who, who i'm gonna dunk their w in straight away i'm sorry i'm sure this isn't the best way to make friends but throwing you under the bus who said that you're quite happily drinking in the company of your Star Wars figurines and that counts as people. So, I mean, <laughs> we're on to a winner already. Yeah, so I got this, well, I call it my control room. It's just a little, my office where I do my my day job and stuff. And then I do recording and then obviously do this this podcast here. And then, so I got it all decked out with punk rock posters and whatnot. And then recently, this is going to kind of make me sound like a dork, but a good buddy of mine has a couple... A couple kids who are, I don't know how old they are, like 12 and 8 or something. And they got sick of their, they ran out of room for all their Star Wars toys. So I'm talking like hundreds of them. And he immediately thought of me and he just gave them to me. So I got like like a foot, like 12 inch high Kylo Ren staring at me. I got like a two feet tall, uh, what's his name from, I don't know if you saw the one where they steal the Death Star plans. Can't remember what that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. K um, or whatever yeah, his name is. One of them. Fools! How could they get rid of so many, uh, so many good figurines? How, how varied and how like down the rabbit hole do they go? Like, do you have a, do you have a model of Uncle Owen's charred remains, or is it all <laughs> sort of, you know, Grogu centric, newer, newer wars? What are you saying? Uh, it's more like prequel and and original trilogy. So I got like a Rancor. Then I got, uh, nice. well, for some reason I have a California raisin in the middle of it all. <laughs> that, that was my choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you got to uh, keep your energies up, man. You need your little snacks. And... Yeah, I'm a bit of Just a... make sure that didn't come from the kids like a couple of months ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't even know where I got this. I remember when I was a kid, we had lots of California raisins, but I think I just go to a lot of garage sales with my wife, and then when I see toys, I buy them because I'm a man-child, but... <laughs> Yeah, good, good boy, good on you. We have boot sales here. We don't have, we don't have. Do you have boot sales in America? Is that like out of the back of a 
Is that what you guys Yeah, like a, a out of a trunk, yeah. So we drive up to a field um, on a Sunday morning and everyone has all the shit they don't want in their house anymore and they just stick it on the boot and, uh, and open your boot up and you just walk around looking in people's cars and seeing what they've got to sell. Normally I would say that's not a thing, but I actually did see, well... As we were saying again offline, like time doesn't make any sense, and I don't know when I saw this, but I know I saw a poster, and it actually used that phrasing, calling it a boot sale, and it was, it was that yeah. idea of everybody was meeting downtown or whatever and selling stuff for their cars. So, I don't think they're as common as where you're from, but they definitely do happen out here. So I don't, maybe it was a British yeah. person <laughs> bringing it to life here yeah. in Canada. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love shit like that. So yeah, I'm not drinking alone because I got all these these guys with me. Win win. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> and I guess I'm talking to you, which is, you know. And it, yeah, exactly that. You're doing me a solid by having a beer, mate. Cheers. And I mean, in this in this current timeline, I think that uh, long distance beers are quite common, and <laughs> I think you know, <laughs> just fitting in with popular culture at this point. That's it, man. Like there's always the old saying that the sun's over the yard arm somewhere, right? So you end up having. Uh, Across the Atlantic Zoom calls, and everyone should just get shit faced twenty four seven. I was telling you uh, offline, we did this um, this podcasty Zoom call thing, and there was guys from Monkey, guys from the Toasters, like Rob Hinsley from Toasters, um, and a couple of guys from the Scatterlights. And they're out on this weird island somewhere near Panama, like the old legends that they should be, just uh, just wrinkling up and preserving themselves for as long as they can. And they're there with these huge bifters. They've got these big glasses of rum. And so if someone's over having a cup of tea because it's 8 a.m. where they are, it's 4 p.m. where someone else is. And, you know, it's like, I think the, the general party rule is if, uh, if everyone else is having one, then fuck it, go for it. Yeah, well, I mean, at least it's Saturday. I've definitely done had a beer at like a Tuesday morning before just because <laughs> whatever. <laughs> not That's always, not so, always because I'm talking to someone from, from across the pond either. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, though, I also, my day job is to sell beer, so I'm encouraged oh, you to be drinking beer. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not, do, you, do you get samples? You're like, guys, I'll just take, i got to do some research on the new on the new stock, so I'm just going to take a bunch home for, for me and my Star Wars figures to drink in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm, like, I'm not even kidding. It'll be 8 in the morning, and I'll go to, I'll be showing up there to grab, like, some deliveries or whatever, and the brewer will grab me, hey, try this, it's the new beer we're working on. It's like... All right, it's means eight in the morning, but I'll I'll have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of much worse perks. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely worked other jobs where that definitely was not uh, you know, <laughs> smiled upon. So I'll, I'll take it. This is the yeah. Moment. That was not the case. Everyone <laughs> listening, you don't get a free beer with all of your jobs. This lucky geezer has just decided to get one and land on his feet. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I used to work as an electrician, and guys would be, you know. Doing all kinds of drugs on the job, but usually refrain from <laughs> yeah. that. But now it's encouraged. Well, maybe not the drugs part, but. Well, I mean, again, it's going to make you better at your job, buddy. That's the important thing. To keep <laughs> the, the big the big capitalist pig dog wheel going forward. That's what we're all doing. If it means drinking at eight in the morning, you drink at eight in the morning. It's true. That's fine. But you know Let's what? Try. I don't know. Like, if do you, Have you seen this over there? There, There is a lot, a lot of talk lately in the industry about like the cannabis-infused beer. So... Maybe I can get stoned at work too. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be the dream, the Canadian I think, dream. I think you will be, man. I think you will be. I think it's definitely going to be normalised. Um, even in the UK, you know, at the minute it's a class B over here in the UK, but they're, they're already talking about it being the only thing that can save the economy 
post-Brexit. So, like, if it becomes legal here and becomes normalised across Europe and becomes legalised in certain territories across Europe, people will do what, what they did when alcohol was, was first normalised. And they will be drinking at every single hour of the day and they will be smoking now at every single hour of the day. It's, it's fucking, it's rad. You know, I think there's, <laughs> apart from it being a, an opiate for the masses and keeping everybody a little bit subdued, I'm a, I'm a long-term high-functioning stoner. Say hi. <laughs> I very rarely do anything apart from go on tour and then lay back down again for another six months. But Nosferatu, just waiting to go. Um, but yeah, like uh, I, can't, I can't wait for the day they flip the switch here. It's going to be rad. You think is that on old Boris's radar? I don't know, man. They like the color of money. Like uh, there doesn't seem to be many other things. Like our infrastructure is set up in such a way that we're one of the biggest flower distributors already in in Europe, especially. But, but as a result, in the world. And, uh, and we've already got these two fucking greenhouses that we use in different countries and own the lands to and the rights to and British companies own them. Not to mention the the rolling British countryside that's, uh, that's also really fertile, really beautiful and, and will do some good. So I think that it would be a, a switch that they could easily flip. Yeah, let's hope so, man. Yeah, it's been it's been legal here for a while and pretty nice. You can just roll into like any town now and they all have a... Like I went back to my little podunk town where I grew up and it was it was quite the sight because you know we used to have to go buy weed off of the sketchiest dudes like in, in this little <laughs> yeah, town, right. and then now yeah, there's just like a huge sign weed store. It's like holy fuck, what what an age we live in. It's the grail. What town did you grow up in? Oh, you wouldn't have never heard of it, but it was called Hudson Bay, and I don't know. Have you ever been to Saskatchewan in Canada? It's just a little. I have been to Saskatchewan in Canada. Nice. It's a land land full of nothing. So I actually lived in. Um, in Sudbury, Ontario, okay. uh, for a, for a while, the big nickel. So I know a lot of small towns in Canada. I love Canada; it's one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah, I love it. For I'm trying to think, about seven months of the year. <laughs> Although this is we've had an incredibly <laughs> mild winter. We had a super cold snap like a couple of weeks ago, where it was like minus. You guys are Celsius over there, right? We are, yeah. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. It was like minus fifty. So, like, everything's freezing. Like, my freaking uh, garage door opener shit the bed. My brother-in-law's shit the bed just because it was so oh. cold. It just fucked everything up. Like, I had I'd forgotten I had a bunch of, like, pops and stuff in my fridge that I keep out there. And they're all exploding. <laughs> like, my whole freaking garage is just, like, a complete disaster. That's too fucking cold, man. Like, there's cold and then there's that. That's just, that's just not, you don't live in that. No. I, you can't. You can't go outside in that. No, and but luckily it was only literally lasted like a week, and then the rest of the time, like it's already in the pluses every day again. But yeah, yeah, that I mean, it is the most beautiful country in the world. So you've got you've got a trade off. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to all the other countries, but <laughs> I think <laughs> kind of where I live, I'm over in Alberta, so we're not too far okay. from the mountains and stuff. So that's probably the the beautifulness you're talking about. Well, there's a bunch of it there. Like, I'm I'm a big sucker for for Manitoulin, you know, like all the freshwater islands as well. There's some beautiful inland stuff in Canada. Not to mention, you've got two beautiful rugged coasts, like out uh, Newfie Way. That's that's like what Scotland used to be, you know. That's the old Highlands. That's that's rad. And then down the other side, you got somewhere where you can you can ski in the morning and surf in the afternoon. What like, what else do you want? We're on a grey little island stuck here next to the French, and they don't like us. Like. We've got we've got nothing happening. It's too cold. So you know, in the water, it's miserable, it's grey. Like let's all just live in Vancouver. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it's I actually took a British history class in college a couple of years ago and 
I learned about you, you bastards. <laughs> Thank you very much. What did, what did, what were your favorite things that you learned, and and how how slanted were they? Were they good things or bad things that you learned? Uh, one thing that fascinated me was uh, well, like I I'd kind of known about like Queen Victoria and how she all of her grandkids and shit just like ran all of Europe, and I, I find that fascinating. I'll, albeit a yeah. little bit terrifying that you know one person could control so much but i just love how i think it was world war one when the your king and queen just changed their last name because to try to trick people to forget that they're of german <laughs> history they're like oh no we're we're the windsors yeah. now don't don't worry about that other name we used to have i mean that that still happens right now like our prime minister boris johnson his real name is like alexander de Feffel the something johnson and it's like oh okay so that's that's still that's still a thing we're still being being completely ruled by the 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 you know, that that ruling elite. We find it fucking stranger that you know hockey matches turn around and salute a poster of of Lizzie to this day. Or do you guys still you guys still do that, right? Yeah, she's still on our on our twenty dollar bill and all of our coins. She's on the other side. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. Well, like the UK modern history is is crazy enough. Like post World War Two. Um, but before that, the, the you know the, the British colonial times are some of the most interesting, bizarre, and brutal, and and in, not embarrassing, but like guilt-inducing times ever. You know, it, it's we've got a really bloody and, and horrible and long history. Yeah, for such a such a little island, you know, you guys have really uh, you stayed relevant a lot longer than you than you should have. But I guess it's just because you're an island, you can get conquered as easily, right? It was quite. <laughs> That's in- interesting stuff, man. Still have been conquered a bunch of times, right? So Saxons and obviously Vikings and things like that before Romans came in, kicked everybody's ass. But like you said, they, we just changed the name, and everyone goes, "Yep, okay." So we carry- everyone's called Smith. Great. Okay, let's carry on. <laughs> That's fascinating. I don't even. What is it? World War One, where it was like Kaiser Wilhelm, and I think it was Ed- was it King Edward. And then the Tsar of Russia, they're all like first cousins <laughs> I'm yeah. with each other. It's like, must have been an awkward birthday party for, for grandma. <laughs> Remember that time yeah. you started a war with us? Oh, yeah. Water under the bridge. Have you made you too? Like, no, not really. And there's millions of people dying. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> yeah. Tsar Nicholas got, he had a bad ending to his, his chapter. <laughs> yeah, got his come up. Yeah, black hand gang got, he got, he got, he got. He got. Well, this, is, this has been a great combo. I guess we, we owe it to our listeners to talk a little bit about your band. So, I mean, I could talk I mean, about this stuff for days. I mean, you said you can edit it, right? So, so if, if we edit down the, the British colonial history, then yes, fine. We can talk about music. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> no, I, I, like, I like it all. So we, we're, we're going to do whatever the <laughs> fuck we want. That's, that's how we roll here at uh, Normal. <laughs> yeah. So let's, uh, for the... Folks at home that might not be familiar with your band, why don't you give us the quick the quick rundown of what you guys do and what you personally do in the band? Cool. So I'm the singer of a band called Barstool Preachers. Um, we're not sure how long we're going to be called Barstool Preachers, funnily enough. You're the first person I would have actually said that to, but thinking about changing the name and shortening the name just out of Preachers is what most people call us anyway. Um, but we're a punk and ska and reggae and rock and roll and whatever band out of Brighton in the UK. Um, yeah, so we've done a bunch of, of fucking cool tours. We've toured the globe now. We've we've toured with Bouncing Souls and the Bronx and Cox Sparrow and 
the Totenhosen and obviously bands like Giant the Cat and the Slackers and loads of you know, bad cop, bad cop, loads of cool bands, loads of friends of ours that that are, that are rad. Um, yeah, we're on album number three. Album number two came out of Pirates Press Records over in Oakland, and that was pretty cool. Album number three was talking to a bunch of people again, and that should be out uh, either later on this year or next year. So we've hired this massive Victorian pub that we're sort of just taking a couple of producers down and, and shouting into the walls and seeing what comes out. And if it comes out and it's good enough to be an album, great. And if it's just a bunch of demos, then great as well. Um, so yeah, we, we play a lot of different styles of music. We've always been sort of pigeonholed as a ska punk band, um, but never really ever had any ska punk songs. Um, yeah, so everyone that likes bands like Rancid, Dropkick Murphys, Interrupters, uh, from America, then check us out. Yeah, well, I know for me, I don't know, I can't speak for anyone else, when I hear, because I do this, like I do a lot of blog writing and stuff, so I always get stuff sent to me. Whenever I see a Pirates Press, like press release come out, I kind of have it in my brain what the band's going to sound like. I don't know if that's <laughs> the pigeonholing <laughs> you were talking about. So when I, it's like, oh, these guys are on Pirates Press, like I think I know what they sound like, working class. I want to say, boy, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So, Oh, man, the the, the label... Pirates Press have diversified so much in the last couple of years, but even five years ago, you heard Pirates Press Records and you immediately thought, camo shorts, Fred Perry polo, a pair of casual trainers, and like everyone singing old firm casual songs and Cox Barra songs all night, which is great. Like for, for that house of people, they make up a large percentage of people that I call uncle. Um, but like in terms of a really diverse and modern label, they, they weren't that. Uh, but over the last few years, they brought on a new label uh, label manager called Vic, uh, Vic Martin, and she's amazing. She worked with Revelation, you know, Revelation, the hardcore label um, out of L.A., Long Beach Way. She was the label boss for that for, for years and years and years. So she joined Pirates Press about two years ago, two, three years ago, something like that. Um, and she's managed to, to bring on a bunch of different bands that are, that are really cool. They're new and modern and, and diverse and you know, lots of different styles of music. And if you listen to the latest compilation, I think it's called For Family and Flag. Uh, there's a bunch of cool different fucking bands on there, man. Like, it's it's really um, really moving in the right direction for a label. It's, it's exciting to see where they're going to go. Yeah, that's sweet. I'm trying to think. There's, was uh, have you Are you familiar with the band Knucklehead from, from Calgary? Yeah, Canada? yeah, absolutely. Were they, they, on, did, uh, they on that rec- record label at one point, weren't they? Yeah, but what they also did was they became territories, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so fucking they released that killer what was the name of the album I can't remember the name of the album but maybe it was self-titled but it was fucking killer it was about three years ago and mm-hmm. yeah that was great they're, they're such nice dudes as well we were hanging out with them at the at the bash a couple of years ago and yeah love, lovely fellas I love Knucklehead like as a especially growing up like as a kid that fucking love Knucklehead yeah when I first moved to so I was saying I grew up in a small town and wasn't a lot going on, but when I moved to Red Deer, where there's not a ton going on, but we're pretty close to Edmonton and Calgary, which, interesting, interestingly enough, you take the Queen Elizabeth Highway to get to either of them. So there's, yeah, there's there your you gal go. again. Showing up. <laughs> but we had went to see Rancid in Calgary, and the opening band was, was Knucklehead, so that was the first time I heard them, and I was, you know, it's just simple sing-along stuff, but it was like, it was in my head for days, like, to this day... Yeah. Me and my friends sing their stuff, so yeah, they were. Oh. I got a. I was huge on them, so we used to go see them every time they played in Calgary. We'd drive up, but I did notice, like, I would. Yeah, like I mentioned, they're they're simple in the way of the the chords and everything. Like they're just 
you know, usually three chord punk, but they're just excellent storytellers I've found. So, and then that's what you guys have been referred to, right? Is oh. you're, you're a storyteller. Like, do you write all the lyrics? I do. Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we've got a bunch of different songwriters in the band. I do a lot of the, um, the, the heavy lifting sort of lyrically and, and melodically and that sort of stuff. But yeah, all the guys, uh, all the guys are pretty, pretty adept at doing it. But yeah, we love, we love writing stories, man. We love telling stories of music. Like we wave the way we see it. And that's why we don't sort of subscribe to one genre is we, we see music as this vehicle for emotion. And if you've got a chance to tell a story and you've got a chance to, you know, move people through relatable content, that's fucking wicked. Like if people can attach and engage with what you're trying to say, whether it's feel good stuff, whether it's broken hearted stuff, like if you can move that person, then you've, you've done what music was meant for. Um, and the same works for, for the other side of our songs with the, the angry political, um, you know, sort of edged, edge songs, like songs that are a little bit harder hitting. Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, not everybody can pull it off. Like it's, it's pretty easy to tell a shitty story. So kudos to you guys for being able to craft like a, you know, you don't have a lot of time in a punk song to tell a story. So the fact that you can pull it off. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. I think some of our favorite uh, songwriters ever, some of my favorite songwriters for sure, have been have been huge storytellers. You know, bands like bands like Squeeze. You know, Squeeze. You a fan of Squeeze? I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> not ringing a bell. <laughs> check out check out this this UK eighties nineties band called Squeeze, who did songs like Call for Cats and Up the Junction. And again, it was just this these beautifully told. Um, simple observing lyrics and, and these, these narratives that just you know just, just they told real life they were they were something that you could listen to and you immediately felt like you knew what they were talking about you were part of it and to me that's that's a big part of what music should be you know yeah, 100% um, when you you write all these stories are they usually autobiographical is that a word <laughs> or, or do you just make up a story and tell a story because I know songwriters that can do both so i'm just curious of what you're a, a, a bit of both yeah some of them are autobiographical like race through berlin is is a real story that happened to me um broken hearts as well they've got a lot of a lot of like things that, that were just yeah like you said autobiographical and self-reflective and i think that i think that a lot of musicians will tell you the same thing when it comes to writing lyrics some of them are about you and some of them are about anything some of them are just a nice turn of phrase like it's very rare that you have a song where even if it is a, a story about yourself where every single lyric is is completely true to, to who you are you know and then i think it's you've got a difference in um what the song says as a whole and then what each individual lyric says so if you're trying to tell again trying to tell a love story or trying to convey some sort of broken-hearted message then fucking if people have got that after three and a half verses the rest of it you can have some fun with you know like you can put in a couple of words that you like or rhymes that you're not sure that other people will necessarily engage with first time but it'll get second time but like we were talking about knucklehead territories do the same thing they, they tell beautiful stories and keep it really simple and keep the melodies and the harmonies really fucking pure as well and i think we we always say sometimes when you've got to feed your your dog you know medicine you've got to put it in peanut butter so sometimes when you want to get this this message across, you've got to put it in some sort of music that they're going to eat and they're going to enjoy. So whether it's ska and reggae and you're making them dance or whether it's um, melodic pop punk, um, you know, you're still trying to get that message across. You're still trying to convey those feelings and those emotions to people. For sure, man. And I guess this is a good segue. As I mentioned offline, you get to choose some songs. So 
Who do you want to hear for yeah. your, the first music break here? Uh, first music break here, I would like to hear Joe Jackson. Uh, it's different for girls. Right, man. So, uh, <laughs> Fucking seamless, man. That was like a, a blink that I missed it. <laughs> yeah, man. Been, been doing this a while. I know how to, <laughs> I know how to edit shit. <laughs> uh, so I read. A, I was reading a different interview with you before we we chatted, just to kind of 
I don't know. I didn't want to hammer you with shit you've already talked about a gazillion times. I don't know if I've done that already. Apologies if I have. But uh, I don't know if you want this. Well, you said it, so you admitted in this interview that you were a big ABBA fan. Is that accurate? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, we love ABBA. ABBA is one of our, our hungover jams every single tour. So we go on tour, and then the first half of every day is, is ABBA, Blondie, you know, songs that you just that make you feel good, man. Yeah, I love ABBA. What what a fantastic bunch of songwriters! They have their own technique. Anyone that's got their own fucking technique, they're writing good songs. Yeah, like I'm, I'll admit, I'm not a massive fan of their entire catalog, but that one song, every time me and my wife get drunk together, what is it, Voulez-vous or whatever? That song is fucking. <laughs> I'll admit, I can crank that song all day. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think everyone's got their one ABBA song as well. You know, like everyone's got the one that they love. Take a chance on uh, me, they, can they fuck off, to... but. Voulez-vous? Two thumbs up. Take a chance on me, can fuck off, but it's also, if, you know, if you've been really pissed and looked into our, our guitarist Gibbs's gold tooth gleaming in the disco lights, like, you, you enjoy that song too, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, because you, you're from Brighton in the UK, correct? Did you say that? Absolutely. Well, we're, we're not. I'm from, I'm from East London. Um, a couple of the boys from different places, like Gibbsy is a Weymouth boy, which won't, mean much to, to, to listeners on this one I guess but it would be the equivalent of someone coming from Toronto or someone coming from Sudbury so he's like a he's a coast boy okay. um, so yeah well we all live in Brighton Brighton's like this this fucking awesome musical mecca like metropolis that um, is right by the seaside is beautiful but is, is a really cool place to go and hang out so we all met when, when I moved down here but yeah sorry Gary yeah from Brighton yeah the only reason why I'm Bring this up is because I kind of just looked up Brighton facts, and it says that mm-hmm. ABBA shot their Waterloo video in that city. Is that accurate? <laughs> that is accurate. Well, good knowledge, Josh. So ABBA <laughs> uh, filmed a bunch of that Waterloo video um, in the North Lane and on the the seafront, sit on the pier. It's amazing. <laughs> Do you like yeah. dro- drop that little nugget because you're a big ABBA guy? You're like, you know, no, no big. But I live where ABBA shot Waterloo. You know. <laughs> yeah, 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 listen, guys, I don't mean to make it sound like I'm kind of a big deal, but I live in the place where uh, 32 and a half seconds of Waterloo was filmed. So I think you should back the fuck up. But yeah, Abba's definitely a guilty pleasure of ours. They they used to write um, they used to write a verse and a chorus, and then they used to turn around to each other and go, okay, now we write a better chorus. And then the, the original chorus would become the, the new verse. And the new chorus will become the chorus. Brilliant! Every every bit's a chorus. That's amazing. I don't I don't know much about them. Aren't they from Sweden or something? They are. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my favorite final ABBA fact. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're from they're from Sweden, and they all had like this beautiful big revolving love door cast thing where they would just swap. And Benny Benny and Bjorn um, to this day still have houses, the, the land like loads of land now, obviously being ABBA. Um, and the land still backs onto each other's gardens, and they have a sauna that they've co-built at the end of their garden that they go down every morning, have coffee with each other before they go on with their day. Wow, that's cute. There you go. That <laughs> is very fucking cute. Imagine being out there and doing that. Like, fucking good on <laughs> it. Okay. Well, we're talking about a bit about your influences. Um, mm-hmm. So do you remember the first lyrics you ever wrote and... On a scale of one to ten, how cheesy were they? Oh God, the fucking fast lyrics I ever wrote, ever. 
or for the or for the preachers. First ones we we wrote with the preachers were were pretty fucking cool. Um, but the first ones the first ones ever were awful. I was in a band called High Tech Hendrick at school. Um, we were we had a song called Beer. We had a song called The Itch. We had a song called Geeks, and they were they were the best and the worst lyrics ever. Give, give us think, a sample. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear the itch right now. I get oh the itch was good. The itch was like got that sick and feeling again. Really like early blink pop punk because that was just what we were into. But um, geeks had lyrics like uh, I get embarrassed in the shower, but I've got level nine wizard power. Um, <laughs> That's cool. I like sitting at the front of class. Uh, and I get nervous when we talk about ass, which isn't a phrase in England. We don't say like, "I oh, get that ass," you know. That's not a that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, loads loads of like Donny Osmond makes me swoon, and I still enjoy a good cartoon stuff. Like, like really just shitty kid lyrics, but but fun. I was expecting way worse. Those are like, those are better than stuff I read in present day. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting worse. I've, I've gone from wizard power all the way down to love songs. That's, that's, how, that's how the progress You happened. peaked at that Donny Osmond line. <laughs> yeah, I did. I peaked at, I peaked at 13. That was it. <laughs> that's awesome. We were. So, <laughs> Thanks, you guys have... Well, you're, you're mentioning this album that's coming out. So you say you just got the demos now, so you still got to hit the studio? We're going to hit the studio. We had a bunch of stuff lined up. Like, we were going to be recording with Ted Hart um, out in L.A. Like, we had tours booked to come back out to the States, like, last year. Uh, and we were going to spend a few days doing doing with Ted Hart first and, and working some stuff out and then launching into the full album out there. But where that didn't transpire, we were sitting on these songs for, for months and we weren't releasing anything which wasn't necessarily a problem because Grazzi went pretty well. So we weren't, we're still not in a massive rush. Um, but we also understand that this is, this has got to be our seminal album. Like a lot of people have, have heard, well, a lot of people have, have heard of the band. Um, but we, we want it. Yeah. We want to be one of those bands that, that everybody um, has, has the record and knows a song, you know, we want to be one of those bands. So uh, we're not going to rush this one, but we've got fucking these, these next songs are killer. So what we're going to do is we're hiring this old Victorian pub in 20 days and we're taking a couple of producers down with us, like friends of ours, micing up everything. And then we're going to play what we've got. And we're going to play through everything that we have um, and, and see what, what comes out. So the album might be ready by August, September. But if this turns into just demos and we're not happy with the way this comes out, then we'll go back to square one, not in terms of the songs, but in terms of the procedure, and and hire a studio and do it the way we did Grazzi and sort of build songs from the ground up. So we're going to see what happens and going to see what sticks uh, for for the current batch of songs. And then album number four, hopefully the world will have righted itself enough for us to be able to do our initial plan and go out and start recording with one of our favourite you know producers in the world, Ted, um, and and see what we can do together. From talking to other people, I feel like that's pretty common. It's a lot of People were all gung-ho to get their new album out, and then they're like, well, don't want it just to get lost in the wash because we can't tour on it. So that's kind of your guys' thinking as well. No rush. I think that's it, man. I think that's what every... You, you hit the nail on the head. So many of our friends released singles, and it was like shouting into an empty room. And then you realize the importance of, of touring songs, of touring an album. It's huge. You know, just for band psyche, let alone the 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 hundred records excuse me <clears throat> that you might sell on that tour so you know it's it's a we decided we weren't going to do it until we could tour 
and the UK, it looks like we can tour again from September. So now we just need to <laughs> put our finger out and actually finish the album. Yeah, I saw that. Like, we had a. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Jenny from Bad Cop, Bad Cop, and yeah, they just you know worked their butts off on this album, released it. I think they you know sold out their tour, and got to play like a handful of the shows, and then it's like the world freaking crumbled around behind them. So that's just kind of a heartbreaking yeah. thing for. Well, they- they were over here, right? Like they were over here when it all when it all stopped and when it all happened, and then had to cancel a bunch of shows, and that was it. They they had another, as you were saying, like they had another five six weeks worth of, of tours that year to do, um, and and nothing. And there are loads of bands that sort of just went, well, fuck it, you can you can have the material, like whatever, we'll just put it out, and if you like it, you like it. Um, but there are a lot of other bands like us that are, that are sort of working bands that that try and play 150 shows a year and. That's we've been waiting for to, to share this album. We've been waiting to to bring it to people. You know, that's the way the modern world, modern music world works. You've got to take your music if you want to sell actual physical albums. You've got to take those albums around the world with you. You know, you've got to sell them with your performance and, and with who you are. Like it's uh, without touring, it's a, it's a really big ask for a band. Like, what do you do? Do do you not invest in PR? Like, do you not? get a label to, to put that extra money in to try and get you adverts or to try and get you a, a good support next year when you play Fest or whatever it is. Like it's, it's all about building momentum around albums and around releases. And without tour dates and without people talking about you online, just in terms of like pure social media algorithms, you're never going to rise to the top. So it's a, it's a really fucking, it's a really hard time. And everyone's under the cost, but it's a really hard time to decide when to release stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, in my group of friends, uh, to mention, you know, some punk rock legends, you know, the new No Effects album is kind of a polarizing thing. I don't know. You don't have to share your yeah. thoughts on it. But I thought for me, my, my complaint, and I guess I shouldn't complain because it's a fucking pandemic. But for me, I'd already heard <laughs> 80% of the album. So it was like this didn't feel like an album. So I guess I could see your point of let's wait and do this right rather than kind of have this. I, t- I mean, totally. I, I bet you took the words out of my mouth when it comes to the new No Effects. Like great songs, great band. But that, I already knew the songs. Yeah. Like, they'd already they'd already come out. Like, yeah. you know, and I'm not sure whether that's something that every other band's done um, or whether or not No Effects just blew their wad across the last year and a half releasing all the songs that they did release. You know, like, for us, we released State of Emergency and When This World Ends at the beginning of the, uh, at the, beginning of the pandemic. And we did that to raise money for NHS charities. There were two songs that we liked and we wanted to get some singles out. So we ended up raising, like, thousands of pounds for... Uh, NHS families over here in the UK um, but we, we're not going to put those two songs on the album because you know they, they've been released <laughs> they're, they're out there they're standing on their own two feet you know we're not going to make them go back and, and join the rest of the songs as the rest of the songs start sounding different and start sounding like an album together you know we're not going to shoot one bit for yeah like I never want to sound ungrateful as a fan when <laughs> like bands can do whatever they want it's their songs but I'm always a little bit disappointed when it's like they put an already released song. Like, I'm not talking singles, but like something that you thought was for something else and it's on the album. You're like, well, yeah. this isn't new. I want new. <laughs> That's just me being a selfish consumer. <laughs> I, it also depends, right? Like, if they're doing a, uh, an Outcome the Wolves and there's you know, 19 tracks on there, then fuck it. They can put, a, put mm-hmm. whatever they want. But if I, yeah, if there's 12 songs, 11, 12 songs, it would, you know, I don't think that personally, I don't think they're any more than two or three should have been heard already and that as part of the of the album campaign sort of thing you know like 
give your give your fans new music, give your fans new songs. But like you say, it's different for every band. It's different for for big bands. It's the bands like us who are trying to make a massive impression, and other bands that are just trying to sell lots of records. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's it's tough to judge anybody for doing. Everybody's got to try shit in this fucked up time because like. I don't have to tell you the music industry's a lot different than it used to be and especially adding taking away touring from you guys like it's people got to do what they got to do to try to you know make some it, have some income hard. coming in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whether it's about like for us it's, it's been more about relevance than income like but you are right. You know, we we were just at the point when when this whole the whole thing hit, we were we were just at the point where we could go on tour and come home and pay our rent. Like that, that just happened. It had been six years of us touring relentlessly, but we were, we were, we just got to literally just got to the point of uh, going away and coming back and, and not having to go straight to work the next morning. Like we all had to go back to work, obviously, but you know, it was enough to, to really help us to, to do this as a lifestyle choice and to spend our free time as, as working musicians. Now, none of us, now we're all back in removals and in carpentry and our drummer's back being a, being a pizza boy. <laughs> you know, like it's uh, it is really hard. So income is really important, but for us, it's always been about relevance more than importance, and more than more than sort of relevance more than earning. Yeah, we just we, we want to have a good time with people, and the more people, the better. Yeah, and it's kind of like you said, it's the catch twenty two of you guys want to be touring and playing as much as you can, but you need to got pay your bills. So it's like it's the. Uh, like, do you want to be a weekend warrior band or treating your tours like yeah. a vacation? But for you, it's like you, you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to come back and have a maxed out credit card. You want to come back and like that's cool. <laughs> we didn't, like, we didn't lose our shirts. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's sustainability as well, right? So a bunch of the guys in the band have kids. A couple of bands, guys in the band now like have kids, and a lot of the guys are married and have like really cool, strong uh, partners and. You know, there's there's an obligation to to both camps as, as far as we're concerned as a band. Like, we don't just want to be one of those bands that turns up, gets fucked, pukes in someone's amp, and then and then kind of goes home and plays another hometown show next month. Like, we want to do this as a career. You know, we want to travel the rest of the world. There are bits we haven't done. Like, we want to go to Japan. We need to go to Australia. The America's only just started. Canada's only just started. You know, like it's um, it's all it's all just happening right now. So. Um, you know, we, we've got to go a long way past this. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's uh, let's roll into another uh, another musical interlude here because I know we got burgers to eat. So let's uh, let's do this and we can bring it home. So who who do you want to hear on your second musical interlude? All right. So I think because we've been talking about them, uh, I would say let's listen to some territories and let's listen to numb somehow.
We now interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you yet another rendition of 60 Seconds of Scintillation. So get ready to hear Patty O'Lantern from the band Dragged In. Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to another rendition of 60 Seconds of Scintillation. My guest this time is Patty O'Lantern from the band Dragged In. How's it going, buddy? Doing well. Is this part of the 60 Seconds? It is. No, no, not until uh, I say go. Okay, I'm not fucking it up. Good. All right. (laughs) All right. Are you ready? Uh, Yeah, no, I'm ready now. I wasn't ready, but now I'm ready. Okay, perfect. And go. 60 seconds of scintillation. 7-Up or Sprite? 7-Up. Miss Vicky's or Old Dutch Chips? Miss Vicky's. What's the capital of the Yukon Territory? Uh, Whitehorse. What's your favorite NoFX album? Uh, pump up the value. Um, do you call it a crescent wrench or a thumb wrench? Uh, a monkey wrench. <laughs> there we go. Crab or lobster? Neither. I fucking really don't care for either. Perfect. Uh, Wayne's World or Austin Powers? Wayne's World. What's the best East Coast city? St. John's. Drop D or standard tuning? Standard tuning. Would you rather fi- <laughs> fight an octopus in shallow water or a grizzly bear in deep water? Uh, sorry, would I rather fuck an octopus <laughs> or fight an octopus? I meant to say fight. I'd rather. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, cool. I mean, fucking an octopus might be cool too. I don't know. They've got a lot of limbs. Be, you know. Awesome. Uh, Fugazi or minor threat? A minor threat. Um, and here's your last question. Game Boy or Game Gear? Game Boy. And this has been another rendition of 60, 60 Seconds of Scintillation.
Hey, this is Patty from Drags In, and you're listening to the Punk Normal Podcast. Woo! And we're back. Seamless again. Um, yeah, so you're mentioning touring, and uh, I mean, we don't know when that's going to come back with the international, um, international, whatever you want to call it, like you coming to Canada, I don't, we don't know when that's going to come back. So what are your opinions? Yeah. Do you think there's going to be a log jam, like a bottleneck of, because there's going to be a lot of bands that want to hit the road and tours take time yeah. to plan and there's going to be fighting over venues and what venues are even left. Like what's your thoughts on how that, what's that going to look like? The flip side of that coin is there's going to be some fucking killer tours. Like there's going to be some great lineups coming through people's towns because everyone's going to want to play. Like we're seeing in the UK at the moment because we're one of the places that says like we're going to open up in the end of June. Like this is all going to be fine and we'll be able to move on and, you know, whatever the promises being made are. But that means there's so many uh, other other musicians I've seen on, on all the social media stuff like we're going to the UK in September. We're going to the UK in September. We're going to the UK in September. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, that's good. Like we can we can all crack on. Um, I think there will be some some sort of bottleneck, but at the same time, like music's never never the competition, is it? So let's all just get out there and play as many fucking shows as we can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I honestly don't know. I mean, obviously, as as much as we'd all love to, I can't afford to go to you know ten concerts a month. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so maybe true. we'll just get these super tours. I think what we're gonna see in Canada is. Uh, It'll just be like Canadian bands doing Canada tours until they feel safe to open up. Yeah. That's kind of what they're doing in Australia now, correct? Australian bands. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and the the UK bands the same. You know, we we understand that we would have gone out to Europe and we would have gone out to America a bunch more times. So we're going to use those extra 30, 40 days to to tour different, like, towns in the UK. You know, going back to places like Norwich and Southampton and places like small towns that we've not been to in a long time. And, and that's going to be cool in itself. You know, Brexit also offers us the same choices, you know, like now because it's going to take a, a time to get from, used to used to drive from the UK through France, through Belgium, through Holland, get to Germany, play 10 shows in Germany and then play like a show each on the way home. And and that's not the same anymore. You know, you're going to have to play all the, all the French B-towns, you know, just before you get through. So that's going to be kind of cool for, for smaller French towns. So It'll be interesting to see how, how that works out in the UK with everyone having to play the UK. There are a load of bands that are fucking closing their doors, though. There are loads of bands that are calling it quits. Yeah, you'd, you just have to, I guess. Some people just had to go do something else. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a shame. Like, it's definitely a shame. They're, I don't think anybody knows how this is going to look like when it's over. I really I really don't. And I also don't think it's over. You know, I don't think that this is this is it and this is done. Um, I think we might be on on the downstroke of the whole thing, but you know, like it's still going to be a long while until until we see something that resembles our old normal, whether or not we want that, whether or not we, we think that should be the way. Like a lot of music has migrated online anyway. Like we're a, we're a sucker for 150 days a year touring, but we also know that that has its limits nowadays. Like there are bands that don't tour a single day, and they're still some of the biggest bands in the world at the moment. You know. So you'd mentioned mentioned Brexit. Has that has that affected you guys as working musicians to to go to all the EU places? Has have you noticed a change since that's went through? I mean, not yet because no one's toured yet because of COVID, obviously. Um, but yeah, but yeah, like we will see a massive difference. There'll be a different license and a different something called a carne, uh, which is like a, a list of all the equipment and a list of all of the stock. Um, yeah, so. You have to give on it on every single border. So yeah, it's, it's going to affect us. There are there are 
estimates of it costing some musicians that would tour for a month an extra ten thousand euros in in admins and licenses and taxes and tariffs. So it's uh, it's definitely going to affect us. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 ignorant on the topic, so I shouldn't even be saying anything. But I did see a video that someone was sharing of like a a wealthy British eel farmer. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> and and he was like a pro Brexit guy, and then once it went through, he realized that ninety percent of his uh, clientele was in the EU, and he couldn't sell to them anymore. And he was like, he's like business is going to go under. And it was like, I mean, I'm just grabbing like cherry picking this stat. So I'm sure somebody's listening, like you idiot, that's not what happened. But I just kind of thought that was yeah. ironic that this dude it's just thought he was untouchable. Ironic. I'm back. Sorry, we were talking about eel farmers. <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought no. for one, it I really it. stuck in my brain because it was an eel farmer, and then just the fact that he was like, oh, he actually had to do some introspection. Yeah. Awesome, eel farmers. <laughs> there's, there's been a bunch of UK industries that were massively affected by Brexit, but I think like a lot of the um, right wing resurgence that's happened, a lot of the, the motivating factors were fear. You know, there were billboards up that said, um, let's spend £350 million more a week on our NHS, which is being underfunded. There are millions of people in Turkey. Do you want them all living on your doorstep? And these were like actual billboards that happened in, the, in a campaign for Brexit in the, in the UK. So a lot of people were, were making the decisions, A, based on lies, and B, based on a place of, of complete fear. So, I mean, the same as we saw and are seeing in America and saw and are seeing to some extent in Canada, um, not to mention countries like Greece and Italy and Spain. Um, you know, like that right wing resurgence is, is very, very real. And I think Brexit is a prime example to show how little people actually do any fucking research before they start voting for things. Like the, the UK voted to get take back control of its fisheries. And now we've got nowhere to sell the fish. So do we go? Are we now are the British people now seals? Is that what we 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 just we we can have a pound of fish each and maybe a block of soap? Like what what what's the the bigger game plan here? Like it's it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, I don't know. Like you kind of maybe reminded me of another fact of uh, when when the uh, I can't remember the the year, but when Britain kind of opened up its borders to all of the members of the Commonwealth expecting you know australians and canadians to move to britain but then yeah the people that the rich white guys didn't want to come like minorities and whatnot were the ones that actually came and they just like blew up in their face so yeah i mean not I, saying I think, that's a bad thing that they came i think that's no, no, totally no. wonderful but the but that's clearly not what those people wanted when they made that announcement you know <laughs> it's it's a really it's a really weird one isn't it because it's like on the ab on the top the advertising has to be to white British people to say, yes, there's going to be more white centric middle people coming to the country. And really what, what the people that own the big businesses want is a cheap workforce. So actually that, I think they knew exactly who was going to come because they're also at the same time, like adverts to take, take the Windrush generation, for example. Now the Windrush generation was, was, was people that were people that came to the UK from the Caribbean um, to, to work in the British underground and to rebuild a lot of the underground system and, and London's infrastructure after World War Two, and this was like in the sixties. So they they were they were given leave to come, um, but obviously they the, the UK government turned it around, and, and it wasn't about the workforce; it was about bringing the brightest and best talent to the UK. 
And the same happened with, with Australia. The same happened with, with Europe, you know. We'll get the best leading German scientists. Well, actually, no, you're going to get uh, a Polish workforce, a Lithuanian workforce, which is brilliant because it brings things into your society and your culture that these people didn't control and they don't want. So all of these people like that come to our country that make our country better by diversifying it and enriching us with their culture and their cuisine and their music, like that's what the that's what they're saying they didn't want, which is great because it's something they do not control. So that's why all of these people need to be registering to vote. Look what Biden's doing in America, where he's saying to was it a million people he pledged? He was like, "We're going to give you immigration status." Well, that's a million new votes that that guy's just bought. So yeah, great. Like, I think that the, the borders are a, are a farcical thing. And I know it's quite a hard um, concept for a lot of people to, to grasp now um, because it's something that's always been, you know, all the way back from, from the days of, of Sparta. You know, you're, you're talking about people having countries to guard. Um, and I think there's just too many people in the world to, to do that and have it not be destructive nowadays. You know, national identity is amazing. And we talk all the time about, patriotism and, and being proud of your country like yeah it's great be proud to be british i'm i am proud to be british but let's be proud of fish and chips and roast dinners and 1966 world cup final let's not be proud of of the colonial history you know let's not be proud of of the, the blueprint for the neo-fascist state that we set out and this huge corporatocracy that the british pretty much rolled out to people throughout their empirical days Let's not be proud of that. Let's not want to go back to the to the good old days where we controlled people and, and were the masters of other people's fate and lives. Like, yeah, national pride is great, but be proud of the right things, otherwise you're a dickhead. <laughs> Couldn't agree more, man. I often struggle with that myself because as a Canadian, you know, there's there's plenty to be proud of, but there's also, I don't know, then you get into that bullshit argument of like what's a true canadian what's a true british person it's like it's, yeah exactly what does it mean yeah my parents you know or my grandparents met in this plot of land and that means i'm better than somebody from a different plot of land. Like, i don't understand why i should be proud of that i guess but not anyway. at all not at all like unless that plot of land is particularly beautiful, you've done something to maintain that plot of land. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that, that's not your land to be proud of. Like, it's cool that you're from there, but what are you going to do? Own it? Like, no, no, you don't, you don't own the land. And that's the problem in the UK and in Europe. We, we were talking earlier about this, these very few families owning the power and the keys to fucking everything. Like you can't have that and it be sustainable or you can't have that and have it be, um, be a, a nurturing fertile ground for growth and happiness that you're always going to have a ruling class because there's something to fucking rule like it's, it's nonsense i'm sorry i realize this is probably the last episode for a while of punk and normal and you don't really want to be talking about <laughs> about the ruling elite you want to be talking about <laughs> well, and, and punk rock being good it's 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 becoming quite evident in the uh with the state of the world with how many people are suffering from you know different reasons of because of covid and then you hear that yeah. So th- there's a hundred new billionaires just happened this week, and it's like, well, yeah, I can barely pay my rent. No awesome. way. But yeah, we're, I'm I'm not an expert, so I don't need to dive too deep into this. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Oh man. 
Well, yeah, man, I know you got uh, you got burgers to chomp, so we're going to start wrapping this up and let you get on with your right. evening. Thank I'm going to start much. my Thanks day. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, what do I got here? Um, I guess one question. How do you, how do you guys yeah. keep the peace with your band? Because there's quite a few of you, right? Is there five of you total? There's six of us total. Six of us total. Um, yeah, I mean, a mixture between I playing Chairman Mao and... <laughs> The, the the perfect democracy. So if everyone gets a say in everything, um, and I do all the admin. So it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty even. Like all the guys get get briefed on absolutely everything we do. Um, it has to be a, a, a consensus vote. But more than that, we're self policing. You know, everyone knows that if you start being a dickhead, you're going to get pulled up on stuff. And if you start being disrespectful to people, and you know, there 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 are, there are limits and there are boundaries within the band. We tour so much that you can't really be a dick. Like, if you're a dick, you just, you feel it. Like, you get ostracized, you you know, you ruin everybody else's tour. So people were just not into that. So we just, we're, we're pretty self-policing. The guys are really nice guys. Yeah, well, that's good. So you guys kind of, you know, you know when you're being the dick. <laughs> and it's yeah, time to yeah, exactly. smarten up and like, okay, I got to shake this off or otherwise this band's over. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And you know, I mean, I know that we've not met like a lot of uh, you won't have met the rest of the lads on a on a personal level yet. But when you when you meet Bungle, when you meet Gibbs, there's no way not to love those guys. They're the nicest people in in the world. They're so genuine and warm and kind. Like their first thought is always charity or community or mates. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're the reason that that our band has managed to keep going and attract the right people you know like we've got a really cool family people like cynthia who who shouted for for us to come on this this podcast and and you know always helps us out with a bunch of cool stuff like we've got we've got cynthia in in 10 different places across the world now and that's because the guys are just so fucking nice no one takes the piss no one you know is, is again is disrespectful or unkind that like we all just try and and, and lead with love like it's one of those things that we, we always say is a bit of a cliche, but at the end of every tour or when there's a problem, we pretty much have like a group a group therapy. We pretty much have this group chat where everyone sits down in a room and is like, yo, this I loved, this I didn't love, like this wasn't cool, or like I'm feeling this way because of this. You know, like it's a, it's a really good communicative um uh, relationship and, and environment to be in. Not to mention, everyone's a fucking wicked musician, so we're all we're all kind of in awe of each other's playing as well a lot of the time, which is cool. So you bring in the uh, psychiatrist from Metallica, some kind of monster, just to smooth things out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, we all just say, like, if you can listen to the isolated snare on Scent Anger for, <laughs> for half an hour, all of your problems are forgotten. <laughs> that was one of my favorite tweets I saw as Trump was on his way out. It was like, Trump Trump pardons the snare from St. Anger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> we we moved over to doing this TikTok and Twitch bollocks because we, we haven't been out of play and we still wanted to be entertaining. And uh, and Gibbs did this one where he was like on the hunt for the St. Anger snare drum. And he went around town and found the worst sounding, worst sounding things to hit. And we're just hitting him. And he, at the end, he found this public toilet. And he was like, that's it. <laughs> it sounds exactly like this horrible public toilet. <laughs> that's amazing. I'll have to, have to track yeah. that down. Yeah, I do. Have a look. <laughs> <laughs> and I got one more question for you. Um, so 
if anyone's been in a band, there's probably a chance that somebody gets your band name wrong. Is what's the funniest yeah. one that like the mishearing uh, of your name that you've heard parroted back? We, we went we went a, a whole three days with a lady calling us preschool teachers, preschool and that was teachers. pretty cool. Yeah, we 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 all loved that. We all absolutely loved that. Um, what was the other one? There was there, there's been a there's been a few few really good ones. Um, yeah, no, there's there's. There haven't been many offensive ones apart from the bastard preachers. And that was a guy who was actually on one of the BBC radio stations. And he was like, yeah, there's loads of new bands coming out that I like. Bastard preachers are great. And we're like, well, that should be our new name. We should be, we should be bastard features forever. That should be, that should be it. But yeah, we, we're thinking about streamlining the name down. Just, so it's just preachers. Um, Cause it's a bit of a mouthful, bastard preachers. Um, and yeah, three quarters of the band don't drink anymore. So yeah, we can just preach from other places, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, thank you very much for taking the time in your afternoon to chat with me. Um, do you got any final messages for your your fans, both uh, new and old out there? Yeah, just we'll see you again. We'll see you very, very soon. And um, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for, for Sylvia as well. Love you loads. Hope you and Bruno and the kids are doing all right. Um, yeah, we uh, we just wanted to say thank you to all of our friends that have, that have kept in touch with us really over this whole lockdown period. The new album's going to be fucking awesome. You're all going to love it. And we will tour it around the world. It's, it's going to happen. It's on the cards. So get ready to see us within the next yeah year, two years. Beautiful, man. Well, if you come down the Queen Elizabeth Highway in Alberta, I'll be happy to <laughs> cheers you and have, a, love- have some fish and chips that you won't like. <laughs> Yeah, that will definitely be overly judgy on. Uh, <laughs> can I can I choose my third song? Would that be all oh, right? Yeah, good point. You got to choose that one. Thank you very much. I just uh, I've been really hankering to to hear this tune. Um, Hurtling is originally by Tony Sly, but American Steel did a cover of it. Um, that's what I'd like to to hear. So yeah, Hurtling, like hurtling without the G. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, yeah. Thanks again for for dropping in and hopefully you can get back to doing what you love sooner rather than later oh mate thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure all right dude you have a great afternoon we'll see ya all right mate cheers cheers Tear our love apart 
<laughs> it's TJ McFall from the Barstool Preachers, and you are listening to the Punk and Normal Podcast. All right, so that's going to be it. So a quick recap of the songs we just heard. We had Barstool Preachers, When This World Ends, followed by Joe Jackson, It's Different for Girls. And after that, we had Territories Numb Somehow, and rounding out this quadrant of music was American Steel, Hurtling. So yes, thank you very much to TJ for taking the time to chat with me. I personally think it was a pretty entertaining visit and hopefully a fitting end to this punk and normal podcast saga thank you to patty for being my first and last guest and thanks to ray from epic merch store for sponsoring this show i guess the other guys too but ray was the guy that that i dealt with and uh yeah thanks very much man for choosing songs every episode it made my life easier and i think it's pretty cool to have i love it when other people choose songs yeah, this is going to be a wrap. I already did my my emo speech at the beginning of this episode, so I won't put you guys through that again. But just wanted to give one last heartfelt thank you to everyone who has ever helped out with the show, appeared on the show, listened to the show, shared the show on social media, told your friends about the show, and just generally supported us in any way. There are really no words to explain how much it meant to me and my colleagues here at the Punk and Normal Podcast. And although this chapter is closing, there's still plenty of rad shit going to happen in our lives. So yeah, I hope I cross paths with you all again, some way, somehow, in the not-so-distant future. So for the final time, this has been Josh Otto with the Punk and Normal Podcast. May the force be with you, and stay rad out there, you Goombas. Peace. Joke is, we're winning when you blink in chocolate moments. Last year we picked up it.